Welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am one of the hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. And I am one of the frogs, Caleb Shively. Oh my god, a talking frog! I can't believe my luck! Oh, I I didn't mean to say frog. Host, sorry. (laughs) Oh my god. Well, yeah, and if you were a talking frog, obviously we all know from the great um, documentary starring Porky Pig that if you were a talking frog, you wouldn't be talking when anybody else was listening. So you wouldn't... Yeah, exactly. Um, um, Kermit the Frog is a host of a show, so that does. I can see my confusion now that I'm tracing it. Yeah, uh, that's all. This is all really good stuff that we're. (laughs) 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 Um, Every two weeks on Actually Best Choice Movies, we talk to you about two movies. One of them is old, one of them is new, and they're related in some way, like Nicolas Cage and tragedy, would you say, Caleb? That is right, Chris, because this week on uh, Actual Best Choice Movies, we are doing the new, there's a new Nicolas Cage movie in theaters called Pig, which we're excited to talk about. Uh, and we're pairing that with uh, Joe, which is from 2013. And the connection there is this is late period Cage, which I designate as post-2010, his acting career, where it kind of went off the rails a little bit. And maybe it was always off the rails and we were paying attention, but then he just came out kicking and screaming about how off the rails he really is. There's other circumstances here, but yeah, we're going to talk about all that and a uh, late period cage episode. I'm excited to talk about uh, this genre. <laughs> what a strange thing that exists. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it too. Yeah. So this week we're doing pig from this year and Joe, which is from 2013. Yeah. So that's all this week on actually yeah, the, best yeah, choice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, movies. Movies, 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 <laughs> movies. Before we get to any of this, what we're talking about, it, Nicolas Cage, we were just saying, like, what what a stress. I mean, it, it's hard to even talk about what has happened to his career and the kinds of things he's doing because it's such a, like, pop culture thing. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, Nick Cage, yes, it, oh, he's so crazy. But he is really... The internet has even swallowed, yeah. Yeah, and it's so annoying because of that. But it's totally true that he has become this kind of insane figure in film and has been making consistently making truly crazy choices for at least 10 years. So, yeah, I would say uh, it started in 2009, which it was like, uh, of course, his 80s, 90s output is uh, just a solid actor. Then 2000s, it was like, okay, we're losing a little bit. Then 2009, he did uh, The Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call New Orleans, which is a Werner Herzog right. movie, and it is just like him being like knocking down the door and announcing himself as a fucking gonzo actor. Uh, and it's an amazing movie. I would totally recommend me seeing that movie. It's also a good movie, well-reviewed. People loved him in that. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, but then after that, it was like, yeah, 2010. Uh, so like, yeah, around uh, 10 years, 10, 11 years now. Uh, he started doing more like supporting work. Like you see him in uh, like Kick-Ass and The Sorcerer's Apprentice as like, not the star in those big budget movies, but then lesser big budget movies like uh, Drive Angry, which is Drive a name of something. Drive Angry, and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, a, a sequel to Ghost Rider that no one cared about. Uh, and then that was like there, and then it went downhill to being like, just some like straight to video stuff or like stuff that you never even heard of that like just got released in theaters for a week before getting out. 
Uh, he, did a, he did a left behind yeah, in there. Dying too, of the insane. Light, The Runner, Pay the Ghost, The the Trust. I mean, have you heard of any of these things? Doggy Dog, Snowden? Either. What, they made a movie about Edward Snowden? Uh, Doggy Dog. Oh, yeah, that was the one with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, actually. He was actually oh, he right. was, again, supporting oh, in it. And actually, Doggy Dog is a Paul Schrader movie. Yeah, Doggy Dog is a Paul Schrader movie, okay. yeah, right, Paul right. Schrader movie uh, with William Dafoe. Uh, so there is, oh, like, okay. he, like, we're saying, right, like, I mean... Yeah. Uh, there is some like stuff in there that's worth you can out. Uh, but there's also like rage. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some just in, in vengeance, a love story. And then like, uh, I'm looking at a, a page right now. Uh, yeah. Rage was direct to video D VOD, uh, dying of the light, direct to VOD, arsenal, direct to VOD, looking glass, humanity bureau, uh, two, one, one, all VOD. <laughs> uh, there's just a downhill stuff, but also, uh, I think I had the idea to do a late period Nick Cage movie after we did Mandy. It just hasn't, where I was just waiting to do it because we, we did Mandy on the show and our 420 episode. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really liked Mandy and it was a very good use of him. And also I was a fan of Joe, which uh, this was this era 2013 and also him kind of leaning into that persona, which we'll talk about when we talk about Joe. Uh, so yeah, he like knows how to do art but also there's probably some financial reasons he's doing that I, i've read that he just he's, spent an ill-god amount of money like he had to sell like, all his comic books he's like incredibly in debt supposedly is the thing and he needs a lot of money because <laughs> he has a lot so of he just debt. works so he just works yeah so he just and, works yeah even like it, it extends to voiceover acting too which i wish he would do more of he was uh one of the stars of the crews uh then he was uh, amazing in the, the spider-verse Oh, so good yeah, at, uh, into the Spider Verse, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, yeah, into the Spider Verse, and he was in Teen Titans Go as Superman, and probably a role that he like he's, as a known Superman freak. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, what a fun joke, right? That they have him play Superman <laughs> when he is like famously the Superman that doesn't exist. You know, I mean, you've seen those pictures of him a million times, right? Where he's wearing the super suit and he's got the he like long hair. Yeah, there's like a yeah. He named his son Kal El <laughs> after Superman. Joel Did he really name his son? His son's yeah. name is Kal El. Yeah. I did not know that. I did not I mean, know that. There's all this stuff he's doing, and it is a meme of him like this is freaking out, which there's a bunch of great freakouts and Nicholas Cage is over. Uh but it's still he's like a good actor. <laughs> like he's still like and, and like I referenced Mandy. We're gonna talk about Pig and Joe, and he's kind of amazing in these movies. Uh Chris mentioned Doggy Dog, which I kind of liked him in. Uh there's a movie from a couple years ago, uh, I think just last year, actually, Color Out of Space. Uh, which is based off of a Lovecraft story that he got to be fun in. Oh, and uh, then there's, of course, the Humanity Bureau from 2017. Yeah, it was one of his uh, direct-to-video The ones. tagline is, Escape from New America. <laughs> uh, I would recommend checking out, if you're just a fan of like the meme of Nicolas Cage, the movie Mom and Dad. With, it's him and Selma Blair, and in the plot of that movie is all the parents in the world uh, go crazy and start trying to kill their kids. It is bloody as hell. And I'll spoil it for you right now. The twist is that it applies to grandparents, so the grandparents start killing the parents. <laughs> yeah, it's a wild ass movie. That's really <laughs> funny. I think I remember the trailer for this. Yeah, all parents go crazy and try to murder their children. That's and what an amazing plot. Yeah, um, uh, but again, there is still like some like art there, and uh, me and Chris were just talking about it, and he does like respect the art and respects his uh, craft. I, I think it was. I might get this wrong. I should look it up, but I think it was Daniel Day Lewis. It might have been like another actor, but a respected actor talking about Nick Cage and being like, "Oh yeah, he just invented a genre of acting. He invented a type of way to act, and like he even has a name for it. It's like uh, 
nouveau shaman vague uh, vogue or something uh yeah just, oh uh, my god that's really interesting that is that is a really good term for it because he always <laughs> seems to be so wise even but he's like insane and wise you know i mean i guess like val kilmer does that kind of thing sometimes too but is, is that i post nick cage yeah and also like they come from maybe like a cut from the same cloth of like weirdos in the 90s who got rich and famous from like that big blockbuster like 80s were like the blockbuster golden era and then 90s just being like we're just throwing money at shit here <laughs> marketing got out of control that is 100 percent true um and yeah i don't know i mean i am kind of like there's i always am talking shit about alamo draft house but there is something so alamo draft house about the whole like modern day nick cage thing it's did just you see a, pig at alamo draft house by the i way? did see pig at alamo draft house I, as did i yeah, I spent like I don't know seventy five dollars to see this movie at Alamo Draft House. Damn, man! Yeah, I had two beers and a dinner entree in addition to the tickets. You know, damn. Yeah, I just had a drink, one drink. Yeah, that's good. Well, you know, with me, it's like I got the kid. It's like a night out, you know, for myself. Mm-hmm. So I gotta really take advantage. Uh, we'll just give a shout out to Alamo because they they did had a really cool pre roll of just uh, pig theme movies uh, or pig uh, videos. Uh, a taxi every cartoon which i loved uh, but they also showed uh, nick cage uh reciting the entire poem of uh, edgar Allan Poe's the raven uh to an audience and it was rapturous it was like again late period cage post 2010 of him just giving it all to a poem that we've all forgotten since high school yeah he's doing this thing in the reading it goes on like a really long i it's see really i long. i was late to the movie so i got in just in the last like five 10 minutes of this reading of the Raven. And it's just like, he's just talking very fast and he's yelling, but he is like emoting in a certain way, you know, but it's a little rushed obviously because he's like the, he's been talking he's been reciting the Raven for like 25 minutes. It's very uncomfortable kind of to watch, you know? And and, and that's our plug for Alamo draft house. Where's our money, Alamo. Alamo Um, but no, I but I make I, it as an insult. Do you know what I mean? There's this, this what kind of culture that is Alamo Drafthouse that I I just am. It's so marketed to me, but I'm so allergic to it. Where it's like like nerd uh, like I, I nerd monoculture, like, you know. I get it, uh, but also like it's I'm I, I like movies a lot, so I, I'm yeah, I mean, if I would be marketed to me too. <laughs> I mean, I like it, but but like but I like see uh, movies there again. Yeah, I was also glad to see movies there again. I was glad it still existed. I think the bar is closed like forever, though. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Do you want to move uh, on and talk about our first? Oh, yeah, movie? yeah. I, I'll give a transition here. Um, oh, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, yeah. This late period of Nicolas Cage. It's I don't know. It's not worth super diving into, but there is like good stuff, and I will say that, uh, uh, including Mandy as a third, uh, we're doing the top three. Uh, Nicholas late period Nicholas Cage uh, movies out there, and we'll save the which one's the best for our actually voice choice movie at the very end. But I will give a, a kind of a shout out to uh, there's a lost version of this movie called Army of One, which again is a Nicholas Cage movie I haven't heard of, uh, but it was directed by Larry Charles, who's great. He does Curb Your Enthusiasm. He did the Borat movies. Uh, it was just edited so poorly because the Weinstein company fucking hacked that shit because they don't know how to do good comedies. But it was about a true, true Wait, story. Wait, I would like to defend the Weinstein company. <laughs> 
no, obviously I would not like to defend the Weinstein company. Okay, I'm not obviously, gonna, I was like, I'm not even touch that. One. Obviously, I would not like to uh, defend yeah. the Weinstein company. No. So this movie, so the movie Army of One, is about uh, the true story of this. Uh, Nicholas Cage plays the lead character of this, uh, like America First guy who goes to Iran to go try and kill Osama bin Laden himself. And it's a weird true story, and they made a movie of it. And it's a comedy. And it gets the stars Nicholas Cage. And I would love to see the unedited, the Larry Charles cut, because Larry Charles, again, creeping through his emborette, very funny person. Uh, great cast, and it was all around. Uh, so there's a lost version of a movie that Nicholas Cage got to do. Uh, if I had to shout out one other movie, uh, <laughs> I'm going to shout out. Uh, he direct, he uh, narrated, excuse me, he narrated the uh, Love Anton- Antosha, uh, which is the Anton Yokin documentary after he passed. Uh, he lent his uh, uh, voice talents to. That I thought that was very sweet because he's you know an artist. Mm, that's nice. Yeah, that is nice. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, Mandy, Joe, and Pig are the three best of this period. And we're going to talk about two of those movies right now. And the first one we're going to talk about it's 2021's Pig. I'm looking for a truffle pig. Someone star. I don't understand. Tell me you are. You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. Buy yourself a new pig. Going into watching Pig, uh, I only knew probably what you know if you're listening to this. Like Nick Cage is in it. He looks like some kind of crazy mountain man. uh, And he's like trying to get back his pig. Like, I think if I remember correctly, the trailer is like 90% him going like, where's my pig? And you're like, okay, well, obviously we know the movies Nicolas Cage makes. And obviously there's so many John Wick copies that you're like, okay, well, this is just going to be Nicolas Cage. He's going to be like murdering a bunch of people. And, you know, he's going to be trying to get his pig back. Okay. Except this is not at all what the movie pig is. Uh, and, and, it's actually a movie about like ambition and regret and the meaning of success and like actually a very closely observed, like kind of shot at the restaurant industry and the culinary scene, which is like not at all what I was expecting. And it's like not at all, even anything close to a John wick ripoff. It's Nicholas Cage is giving this very dialed down, sensitive, intelligent performance that obviously everybody knows Nicholas Cage can, can give and in, when he has actually been doing these in his better genre movies, it's just that then also he's in the genre movies shooting people and, you know, covered in fake blood or whatever. And that kind of distracts you from what the actually really good stuff that he's doing. Um, I'd also like to shout out in this movie, Alex Wolf, who has a big supporting role as this kind of cocky, flashy, like little, like annoying counterpoint to Nicolas Cage. Um, I didn't know this, but reading about the movie, apparently he's famous for this Nickelodeon show, like Caleb. Naked Brothers Band. Naked Brothers Band. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is Uh, a show I watched a lot of because uh, they had a great Tony Shalhoub playing himself cameo. And I thought that was so funny that I had to watch all this other Nickelodeon show to see if it was as funny as that. Was it? It never was. No. no. Yeah. But I did watch a lot of Naked Brothers Band. The show was created yeah. by his mom and oh, his yeah. dad was the band leader for Arsenio Hall. <laughs> and yeah, he's in the Naked Brothers Band. Like that's who this guy is. But he was really good. I didn't know any of that when I was watching it. And I was like, oh, I like this guy. He's a good young actor. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I was definitely very pleasantly surprised by the direction that Pig took. Though I will like admit, you know, may, that mea culpa, right? That I did feel a little bit like I was it wanted to see the movie of Nicolas Cage murdering a million people to find his pig. But um, I really did enjoy the movie that it, that it is, you know, which is a thoughtful drama about what we really want in life. <laughs> And that also has an underground fight scene in it for some reason in the first 20 minutes. That really doesn't make any sense. But I mean, I did like this movie a lot, Caleb. What what, what did you think about this movie? Uh, same boat uh, of being like, oh, cool. There's a Nicolas Cage movie that's getting good reviews where he just has to find a pig. Uh, let's check it out. Didn't do it much research other than that. Never heard of the director. Well, actually, when I was looking at the credits, there's a lot like cinematographer and uh, editor. I had no idea who these people were. Uh, knew it was attributed by Neon, which I thought was a you know good good touch. Uh, Neon I always say they gave us Parasite. They did bought Parasite and did. A I good mean job Nicholas Winding Refn, like they put out all his movies, right? Yeah, uh, they do a great documentary. Like they've kind of surpassed A twenty four, for being honest. Um, anyway, about a complete left turn from my expectations. It's so much more than oh a movie God. where Nick Cage hunts down the person who stole his pig. It's almost philosophical in its execution. Uh, but it's still not devoid of humor or violence. Like, there is still uh, some stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but it concentrates more on themes of uh, passion and loss and other vague words that are meant to surround life with meaning. Like, I would say uh, there's a big themes of integrity and uh, respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, it's ultimately about love and grief. Again, these are vague words. But really, it really is about... It is, though. so, so well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, I'll, 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 I, uh, just to get it out of the way, I'll talk about Alex Wolf, who is was in Hereditary. He's a great young actor. Uh, Thoroughbreds, I liked. Uh, anyway, oh, was uh, he in Thoroughbreds? Old, oh, uh, he's he's like uncredited. In. He's like a shows up. Blah blah blah. Anyway, uh, he's an old, which is in theaters tomorrow. As of oh, he's day. an old, <laughs> really? Oh, that's yeah. really funny. Uh, but I always get him confused with his older brother Nat. And to be fair, they look exactly like, and they were brothers, naked brothers together. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Nat was in, uh, I don't even know what Nat was but in. But if you were a kid, head. so you were a kid who Palo watched Alto. these shows, right? So yeah, I was uh, a stoner in college watching these shows. You're a stoner in college, right? Okay, okay. Yeah. But so does it seem like, is there something like kind of funny about it or something that it's him in this in this part? Like some kind of metatextual level that I'm not keeping. I guess to. I was over that after Hereditary because like he just knocked my socks up there and I was like, oh, cool. The kid's doing art. <laughs> that's cool. All right. Uh, that's cool. And uh, I mean, Nat I was, was in uh, Palo. Yeah. Nat was in Palo Alto, which is uh, uh, I saw him do a Q&A with uh, the director of Palo Alto and I asked him a stupid question. So I was giving daps for that. <laughs> what uh, was your yeah. stupid question? What did you ask him? Oh, they hold they, they do. a He smokes a cross joint out of that. And uh, James Franco's in. Uh, Palo Alto, uh, as a high school teacher who uh, sleeps with his students. Anyway, um, he holds a cross joint in it, and so I was like, "Oh, is that a reference to Pineapple Express?" Because it, it, it was. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, he, was, he actually told a nice little story about uh, how the one day his parents visited set was the one where they're doing this party scene where all these drugs and, cr- and the cross joint. <laughs> I gave him a nice little anecdote. Set him That's up. really funny. That's great. That's not a dumb question at all. That sounds like a great interaction. <laughs> Um, yeah. it's so hard to ask a good question. It's the, like the scariest thing in the world, you know, to try to, yeah. Cause you're trying to, I like, don't, I, I, I'm instantly reacting to the movie. Like, I don't want to like 
be that person who asks, well, can you talk about the music? Can you talk about this? Like, I mean, what does about? that fucking mean? Exactly. So many of the questions are so stupid. And mm-hmm. so many of the people are like competing to try to sound intelligent or something. It's so embarrassing. It's, you know? Yeah, it sucks. And then you get, to, there was always a point where like this guy's just meandering a question. Uh, if I had to think of something in the moment I'll, to ask, I, I will, but usually I, I don't. Because, again, I'm just reacting to a movie, digesting a movie right there. I mean, right. How could you immediately have a question? Right. They're all so vague or, you know, somebody maybe has asked it before you, you know. Um, I feel like I honestly can't even think of an example. I think I, like, never do. But then I somehow I feel like I have, I don't know. I, I They terrify me, though. Definitely. They're terrible. Sometimes um, I, I like questions about, like, oh, how was that green screen? How was that filmed? Like, you could... Yeah, like it's actually like a, a weird, cool thing. Yeah, uh, back to pig, back to pig, which I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, like, uh, like, because it is that like the experience of just being like completely one eighty was so cool to me. Well, uh, it is, but like, it, no, I mean, just to talk ahead. about that sense of being one eighty. I mean, right? I mean, yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting because the film kind of does set you up to think it's going to be some kind of violent movie. Yeah, the marketing kind of... was very was was like that. Yeah, and but not even the market. I mean, the marketing, yes, but also like the just the first like ten minutes of the movie, kind of. And there's kind mm-hmm. of this like tension music playing, and then there is like this violent act, and and then even there is this. I mean, this weird underground fighting scene, Caleb. I mean. Did this make any sense to you that there's uh, the the fine dining underworld? It's the setting that this movie ends up landing on. It's like we're a patient yes. in the forest, and uh, it just ends up in the fine dining under underworld. As we go through, like, and it like levels up to these chains uh, where we learn more and more about his name's Rob. 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 We call him Rob and Robin in this movie. Uh, Nicholas Cage's character. Uh, so as we, like we go through like the fine dining underworld and rise up out of it, we just get more and more information out of it too. Uh, just about who he is and it's kind of fucking awesome uh like he's a person that everyone reveres and knows just by name and or uh sight like they like see, see him like oh shit it's him like, like oh that's him oh fuck he has so much cachet in the underworld and they even have like a line that's like uh your name means nothing uh and then he just writes his name down at this at the beginning of this fight and everyone just goes hush, 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 hush. And then it's, it's it's fucking, and then it's fucking cool. <laughs> so yeah, as that underworld underbelly is heightened, uh, it's ridiculous and well, like, yeah, somewhat makes sense. But I, I still feel like the film around it was very much grounded in a reality, which is very, very good directing. Well, you like, I think, still ground your movie while all this crazy stuff's going on. I totally agree with what you said. It's really fascinating the way that it, and that's so well put. The way it's like, yeah, that it's leveling up to different from the absolute underbelly to the very top of the restaurant underbelly world, you know. Um, and you're like you said, you're learning more information about it. But um, the fact that there's just a scene where Nicolas Cage says, "I know him." He runs underground fights for restaurant workers. I was like, wait, he does what now? For who? And then there's just a scene where he's, and they're not fights even. He just has to stand there and let someone punch him over and over again. It's like a, it's like a riding a, like a, it's like a rodeo. Like he just. Yeah, they've hired, I think it's what they hire. They get homeless men so restaurant workers can beat the shit out of them, which is fucking wild. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That Uh, is wild. Yeah. Is that like a thing? Is that a real thing? I know that like restaurant workers are like wild as hell. Like I know they they're like drinking and party people, which is yeah. kind of cool. But I don't. I hope that's not a thing. <laughs> uh, but it's also one of those things where like he is in it, and then as it's toward the beginning of this journey, so uh, we don't fully know who he is. And then like as the movie went on, it's like 
it kind of makes sense that he does stuff like that. Well, yeah, and also this <laughs> is my this was like my that. original point was just what you're saying about the 180 is that it's so for the first maybe 20 minutes of this movie, you're just getting the sense that it's going to be very some kind of weird, violent, dark, tense movie. But then it kind of flips to be a movie about like what is success and what what is what does it mean mm-hmm. to be to feel good about yourself and what, like what is ambition. Yeah. And and I would and it becomes a very like just kind of quiet drama and Nicolas Cage like so, yeah. cries a lot and you know uh, like he gets like we're saying leveling up so that first level he gets to a fight and maybe is like a more uh, metaphysical context to it so he like goes through the pain physical pain of it and like the next two levels up like uh, I'm not going to spoil it too much but one of them is uh, like just going to a restaurant and. Uh, he's recognized by the head chef after he talks to him and then just like stares into his soul and breaks him down and says, what, like, remember what your dream was and just like keeps asking about it. And the guy's just like, well, it's an English pub. And then like, he just like kind of breaks him down of like, cause he's now operating this like shitty gastro pub restaurant. And he's like, this is not what you wanted. And it really just like, I'm paving over this because it's so much beautiful than what I'm saying, but he really just breaks this guy down by just not really talking to him and just like, saying like concentrate on your dream to this guy it and was totally like he gets the information out of him by just breaking him down like he totally like wins and levels up over him by looking into his soul <laughs> i mean it i really it's really awesome. liked this scene i thought it was great like it's especially a, because it, yeah. me and Catherine have been watching top chef all during the pandemic and we've watched like 12 seasons of it and that it says he's the guy whose soul he breaks down is very much like a top chef person like a careerist culinary person mm-hmm. and his his restaurant they well this is the interesting thing is they don't make his restaurant seem like it sucks they just make it seem like it's like a critically acclaimed restaurant yeah, he yeah. looks very rich into, yeah. and like it's completely full of people but it's also just like you know as Nicholas, it's not what he really wants to be doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> the stuff with uh, food in this movie, and I won't give too much of a reveal about him, uh, but the food in general in this movie is fucking spectacular. Uh, like, there's a lot of it. Like we said, it's like the underworld of it, but it, it does like show out of it and like show like of it. Like what I said about like uh, respect and integrity, it's like he worked at this like career of, uh, of I don't want to spoil things. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So how, how do I say this? Uh, yeah, it's about yeah. like the art of food too. So it's like the, art of the food. way There's like you cooking. can respect it. Yeah, the it's respect al- the food or like how you uh, commit to it in general is a, a huge theme. It's almost uh, like a, how you uh, yeah. Well, like a Miyazaki movie or a Miyazaki novel, right? Um, sure. Like because there's lots of like meditative cooking sequences, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another big monologue I really liked, and it's to uh, the yuppie Alex Wolf character, uh, who's who's good in this movie. He uh, also he has a, a bright yellow Camaro, which is also very good in this movie. Um, rules. I love uh, that it's a talks- Camaro and not like a Lamborghini or something because yeah. it's not. He doesn't make enough money that he has a Lamborghini, but he has a Camaro. <laughs> you know. Uh, there's a scene where he uh, just talking to him, and it's one of those like life is short, like, we must live songs. But the way he, like, just says it is so philosophically, like, terror, terrorizing and uh, just true about, like, how, how the weather patterns change and how a tidal wave is going to come wash us all away one day. It's amazing. It's all about, like, yeah. He doesn't just say, uh, live life now. He just says, uh, we're all going to die, basically, one day. And it's a very, very beautiful <laughs> monologue speech he gives. Uh, and, like... Yeah, and I was so interesting, and I mean... 
it is the beauty of the movie and it and it's it's really well done and i mean as somebody who's like a new parent it made me feel really good like because i was like yeah i'm <laughs> doing that stuff i'm doing the stuff that i, I want to be doing that's meaningful to me and like who gives a fuck about everybody else um it, it was very well put i mean it's kind of it's kind of stupid punk garbage in a certain way but in another way it's like very persuasive i find it like you yeah, know i yeah. really um, v- makes it sound really good yeah there is like some like unbelievability stuff like he is badly badly wounded throughout the whole film and like blood is caked on him and uh like he, he sh- like how is he walking like uh but it's like oh like it just like does that to look cool but like the emotional heft that this movie surrounds itself with just overtakes all those smaller concerns for me and just threw it out the window i'm just like man this is just such a beautifully loving movie about uh, we even talk about like how much uh, like the the loss of the pig in general is affecting him too, which is like so present and like such a fun uh, like he, it, it rise to the challenge of uh, of Nick Cage. Like, I mean, acting is presence to an extent. Uh, the presence of an actor and of Nicholas Cage is pure presence, man. Uh, he has that manic, intense Nick Cage energy. Uh, there is one part where he does get to, he does do a freak out yell. One the audience clapped when he did it. <laughs> But there's also like very large moments of restraint from him, which is like, of course, he's a, one of the all-time great actors. Of course, he's capable of different modes, and the level of restraint is so good. Uh, and it's a role that allows him to be iconic, as uh, the character Rob Robin is, uh, but also human. And uh, that's the art that we're always after and looking for. Yeah, bravo, Nick Nick Cage here. <laughs> uh, I, I, I could talk more about like... Uh, like how I like the shots were distant and it would suddenly grow closer or uh, like there's a, like you knew from like frame one that there was like a, this guy had a tragic backstory cause he's living in the woods and the way it unfolds. But it really is just like, maybe we're on to a new era of post late period. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. I'm, I really <laughs> doubt it. I really doubt it. Hey, he's getting to be in like his sixties now. He might be like taking more old man roles. I don't. I have no man. idea. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, he does look good in this. As like his, the, his hair is basically all white and it's really long, and he has like a long beard. He looks, he looks pretty fucking cool. In all honesty, I was, mm-hmm. I, I was pretty gel. I was like, this is a strong look, and I wish I looked like this. He's fifty-seven. I had to look it up. So he's not. He's getting. A... He's getting up there, you know. But he's still going to be doing things where he they put him in a black wig, and you know, he's like. I think he's still going to like fight for those roles as long as he can. He's a submarine captain that has to blow up a <laughs> nuclear bomb or something like that. I did uh, uh, to get off track for one quick second. I Just for one second, a... yeah. Okay. Otherwise, we've read been a... very strongly on track. <laughs> I did read about his upcoming movie. Uh, it seems fucking amazing. Uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, another thing where he's working with a new director. Uh, mm. But it's a comedy. Uh, he plays a fictionalized version of Nicolas Cage. The plot is a Mexican billionaire. It's Pedro Pascal hires him because he's a big fan to come to his birthday. And then things go awry. Kind of probably like uh, the John claude JVD movie sounds like now I'm thinking about it. Hmm. But it's Nicolas Cage getting to do it. So a, ne- a meta Nicolas Cage movie. And I also read that Tiffany Haddish is in uh, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, the other thing is he's going to be in this Tiger King TV show, which like we will oh, see that how that canceled. is. You know what I mean? I could be good, but it could be like really bad. I heard that know? got canceled. Oh, did it really? Uh, they, yeah, uh, there were two, and the one with John Cameron Mitchell, uh, 
next as a go, but the one with Nicholas Cage. Oh, I just it's because it's on his IMDb, but yeah, I guess you're you're. I think you're right now that you say that. Yeah, I could be wrong. I don't know. I will find out. I guess at some point in the future. But like, yeah, it was definitely not at all what I was expecting. I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was. You know, not every moment was super strong or like made sense, but I think it did hang together in a kind of, you know, general emotional way. Oh, yeah. And it was very yeah. interesting. And it definitely had a lot to say about, you know, what it means to be alive and what it means to be, you know, trying to accomplish things or why you do anything. And, you know, all of that was very interesting to think about. That's all stuff I think about all the time now. You know, I'm getting to be an old person and it's like these are all very important questions. And I thought the movie was like operating at a pretty high level of like emotional intelligence in in that very much so. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, almost ornaments with Nick Cage and all the surrounding it to hang around this beautiful story of uh, love and loss. Very, 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 very very good. It's in theaters now. Yeah, it's great. Check it out. Yeah, should we move on to the next (laughs) movie? movie. The next movie we're doing is from. One of my favorite directors, David Gordon Green. Uh, it's from 2013. It's called Joe. I don't know who I am, but I know what keeps me alive, keeps me out of jail, keeps me from hurting people. I do as I'm told. What's the point in any of it? It's all just gonna boil up and wash us away. In 2013, David Gordon Green was coming off his mainstream stoner period of Pineapple Express, Your Highness, The Sitter, and of course, the ending of Eastbound and Down, which he uh, ejected a lot of. Uh, And his return to more independent roots, albeit with a stronger sense of self and a larger budget. So in the year 2013, DWG kicked off what I will refer to as his star vehicle period with Paul Rudd, Emile Hirsch, and a two-hander called Prince Avalanche, Prince Avalanche, adapted from an Icelandic film, and this movie, Joe, starring our man Nicolas Cage. Okay, 2013, late period Nick Cage, early years-ish of the late, early late period Nick Cage, <laughs> after he broke the mold and already uh, his mainstream appeal is that a supporting player, uh, mentioned all that gobbledygook he did, but here, an indie auteur plucked him out of this endless gauntlet and gave the actor some room to breathe, uh, a trick David Gordon Green returned to a lot in his star vehicle period. We shout outs to Al Pacino, Sandra Bullock, and Jake Gyllenhaal. All that context, and now we're talking about the actual film, which is an adaptation of a Larry Brown uh, grit lit novel. Uh, Cage plays the title character, Joe a man of rural means who runs a tree poisoning service where he hires teenager Gary, who just wants to work uh, because of extenuating circumstances. Circumstances, which we will discuss now, as well as more colorful information on Joe's life. Uh, Joe premiered at the 2013 Venice Film Festival and was also shown at that year's TIFF. Chris, thanks for finally letting me do a David Gordon Green film. Have I been standing between you and doing a David Gordon? Uh, I always recommend it, but they have been like kind of me, kind of shoehorning it. But it's I get to do it now, so I'm all all in it. I love David Gordon Green. I have always loved uh, George Washington. That was like a big movie for me when I was. Yeah, it's his first movie. uh, Probably, arguably his best movie. But yeah, I I I 
I would say I always say David Gordon Green is the person who uh, helped me as a modern director understand film and how to break down film and not care if a film is good or bad <laughs> in general, or if if how a film actually just all about uh, actually doing it and showing it and hooray for film. And I love that. <laughs> I kind I mean, of I, I know what you mean. I think I kind of know what you mean. Um, yeah, for me, so I had never seen this movie before. Um, even though like we, I mean, I feel like I, we talk about it. And I, I don't know. I feel like it's been in my life in some way, but I didn't exactly know what to expect. Um, and I really liked it a lot. Can I say, I thought it was really, really good. What I've always liked about David Gordon Green is that his movies very identifiably take place like in the South, like in the kinds of places you actually end up spending time in, which I think is really interesting. There's a way he has of like getting these locations, like you said. So in this movie, Nicolas Cage has a tree poisoning business where they have these hatchets that spew poison out of them, which I have never heard or let alone seen in my entire life. Um, but it was like, it's like they're out in this pine forest, they're underneath this gigantic sky. And it's like, it just looks so much like, like the South to me. And I always really, really appreciate that. And that's like also George Washington, you know, it's always, it very much looks like the place it's supposed to be set in. And I feel like that's so rare these days. Like movies very often don't have a sense of place at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, this one was in Texas. Uh, I think it was filmed near his Austin. I've, uh, 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 well, I know this because uh, one of the lead actors is a local that he just knew, and uh, the guy who played Wade, the stepfather or the the regular father, excuse me, uh, who was a uh, which is a, actually a tragic story. Like he was, uh, uh, he's a homeless man. Uh, he suffered from alcoholism, uh, and he was sick when he was cast. Just. Uh, David fought for him to cast him because David loves working with uh, non-trained actors. That's a hallmark of his movies are uh, like this Chris is saying sense of uh, place, uh, very outdoor nature, uh, loves shooting outdoors. And he also uh, loves working with like real people that help bring that place. Uh, so he cast this actor, uh, his name's Gary Poulter, uh, who did pass away right after filming, uh, oh, really? which is very tragic. It was only, it's his only movie he's ever done. I mean, he's uh, great in it. You know, he's so good. Yeah. Like, absolutely. That despicable, quality, yeah. You know, but it's like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Pure evil. It's a, uh, it's, 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 it's great. Like, a, uh, I think, uh, like I said, uh, performances complementing each other is in a traditional, non-traditional blend is, uh, what makes David Gordon Green great. Like, J- uh, Joe has Gary Poulter, uh, and, uh, I don't know this actor, but he was great. Uh, his name is Ronnie Gene Blevins, uh, who played uh, Willie Russell, uh, the guy who is the other villain in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. He uh, was really yeah, good, too. A, a, yeah. A big scar on it, over the top sicko in this movie. Yeah. So there's a, so so we're saying there's like two main villains in this movie, but there's also two lead characters. Uh, mm. And maybe Joe is not that good of a guy, but there are worse people in it, too, which is great to have these two villains. But I do say there are two lead characters because I, I do think this is also not only Nick Cage as Joe, movie, who's great uh, in it, which we'll talk about in a sec, but uh, Ty Sheridan. This is like this might have been the peak of Ty Sheridan. Yeah, which, well, I think this kind of was from the peak know, of Ty Sheridan, you know. This is his third movie ever. His first three movies are Tree of Life. <laughs> wow. Uh, Mud, which he's great in. Matthew wow. Clay. Yeah, right. Uh, and then Joe uh, here uh, kind of doing the same thing, a little bit Southern. uh 
Southern boy. <laughs> Southern boy. But yeah, yeah. Uh, he has, he's, uh, his early movies are so good. Like he he's so good in this movie. Like, like it's he's amazing, and he's yeah. also. I mean, Mud is such a fucking crazy movie. Like we did it on the show, didn't we? Uh, maybe early on. Maybe early like, on, yeah. but um, yeah, John it's like Nichols. he's he's the same in mud. Like he just has this very unique way of being on screen, you know, where he's kind it, of like it, 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 blank, it, it, but kind of he's like aggressive and sweet. He seems like a human dog in a certain way. Like you're not he sure if has, he is uh, having like, any thoughts, you know. Yeah, he still has like a verb to like go after and attack as he only needs to. Like yeah. Uh, uh, like to, to, to talk about his range, uh, in one year he acted off of Ewan McGregor playing Jesus. There's a movie where Ewan McGregor plays Jesus, and he was the number two in that movie. That same year he was uh, acting off of Neil Hamburger as a clown. Uh, Neil Hamburger played himself, basically. The movie's called Entertainment by Rick Alvarez, and I love it. Um, I mean, that's fucking yeah, amazing. Crazy. He also led a, 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 a he also led a big budget Spielberg movie. He uh, that crazy ass Ready Player One. He was the star of that. Let it, let it. I don't mind that movie. I could talk about it but i don't want to um but i did uh i don't know i would say his like early stuff is the best ty sheridan uh i'm still rooting for him i'm still hoping he uh has good stuff he was in x-men movies he's in uh, x-men movies I, I know he's plays cyclops he's like the main one right, yeah yeah who is the very thing his new movie uh uh paul trader coming up again in the podcast uh he's in the new paul trader movie coming out this year uh it stars oscar Isaac, tiffany hadish second time i get to reference tiffany hadish uh, and Willem Dafoe, and I guess the other, I mean, the other thing to say about Ty, of course, is that he's the star of Ready Player One, which I feel I like, that, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just mean, well, just to talk about that movie for a minute, like, it's just such a weirdly received movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it was successful, uh, yeah, I, but people like a, hate it. You know? Yeah, like I just was saying, uh, uh, I, I can't talk about that movie a lot. Um, which I, I'm gonna stop myself because it will just go down a, a well of. It, the elevator pitch of my rant is that Spielberg is a visual genius and he's doing Spielberg. He's riffing on his own uh, visual qualities and uh, to an extent where it's just like mind numbing, but then he does some indulgent stuff that is amazing. Shout out for the shining. Cause he does a huge, great shining homage in that movie. Uh, it's all visual stuff and the story gets lost in it, which sucks for the novel. Cause it's, uh, people love that novel. Um, but I, 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 like I said, I don't hate, Ready Player One. Yeah. Shout out the shining scene. Shout out the shining scene. Yeah. I mean, it, whatever. I, I, it was better than I thought it would be, but my expectations were very, very low for that movie. Um, it's just a bit of fun, and I didn't think about it ever again. Yeah. A lot my of whole the dystopian life. stuff gets lost, but who cares? It's, yeah, who cares? Um, um, can't wait for Ready Player Two. Is that, is, that, is that true? Is that coming? No, I, I, I think I made it up. Okay. I'm lying. <laughs> but um, I shared and starts in it with Nick Cage, who is. Kind of in that same mode of what we talked about uh, in Pig, but maybe a little less uh, revered and a little less religious in it. Uh, and maybe a little bit more dick swinging, too, because he, uh, I don't know, there's like a lot of smaller scenes I liked where like Joe visiting a whorehouse, uh, Joe like just interacting with his dog. Oh, there's a great scene where uh, Joe just skins a deer, which I read that yeah. he learned how to do oh for this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's like he <laughs> saves the day for these crazy people and then by like skinning a, a deer for them and cutting out some deer steaks. <laughs> like, tells them how to do steaks. Tells them how to make. Uh, he's like, he I'll show like, you how to make uh, the steaks. He is like a a, uh, a bad guy too. Like he uh, uh, is a drinking problem, obviously. <laughs> it's a big <laughs> problem like, with authority, obviously. Like he huge really. Huge problem with authority. And it's kind of fucking awesome. Like, uh, 
with me and Chris were hanging out the other day, and I uh, and uh, I don't think you saw the movie yet. And I wanted to say something about because uh, we we passed cops and we said something about cops. And I was like, "Oh, did you see Joe yet?" Because there's a fun scene with him. He gets pulled over, refuses a breathalyzer test. Uh, and then the cop was like, pulls a gun on him. He's like, no, you're not doing this. You're not doing this. And just like starts slapping the cop, slaps the gun out of his hands. It just basically berates a cop who pulled a gun out of it. It's oh fucking God. awesome. It's, it's I wish really, everyone would do that. Yeah, it's really cool. It's very, very white man kind of thing to be able to do. But it's just like, yeah. it's like the force of his personality. It's like, he's like, a, it's like he could like stare down a tiger. You know what I mean? He just comes mm. at you with this energy and it's irresistible. And even if you have a loaded gun pointed at him, it's like, you just don't, you freeze because it's so singular <laughs> yeah, like, and aggressive and like th- luminescent, you know? I think that's part of his respect too. Uh, like, I think he mentioned that he went had like 30 months in prison or something because he yeah. assaulted multiple police officers. <laughs> he got this. Um, he's so great when he's telling that story because he's doing it in this so matter of fact way. But he's it's it's but it's like the kind of person who who is telling you a story in a matter of fact way, but it also like wants you to understand that they're right and that like they it's like important that you know that they're right. He was just going like, yeah, well, I, you know, I just grabbed it. All I did was I grabbed his hand when he was trying to pull a gun on me. He was trying to kill me. He said he was trying, he was going to kill me. And so he freaking shot his own leg. So whatever, you know, <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's like, I thought that was like really well written and well acted. And it was really fun to watch. Just to talk about David Gordon Green for a minute. Uh, oh, wait, I, I just lo- before we do that, can, can I say one thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know you have a lot to say about David Gordon Green. I, I kept it. I'll keep it short. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. This was going to say, uh, well, no, you go ahead. You talk about David Gordon Green. Go ahead. Uh, it's just the sense, uh, uh, like I mentioned, uh, like his periods. Uh, he had this indie period. Uh, and then he came, made starting with Pineapple Express, which is crazy. He did Pineapple Express. He did like a mainstream sort of thing and got money and came back to do these movies. Uh, uh, Joe was like one of the first movies he did after that period. Uh, I think he just wanted to, like, and it's cool that he just wanted to work with like bigger names, but still smaller names. Like it's insane uh, that like Nicholas Cage is working with a homeless guy to an extent. That's kind of awesome. I, I love, I love that. Uh, they, they found someone who wants to do the art. Like his movie right after this was Manglehorn with Al Pacino. Uh, and then, yeah, like I mentioned his other movies. Now he's in uh, his new phase right now, which is the Halloween movies, uh, which is kind of cool. But he also, you know, uh, I just love the way he brings uh, that mix of traditional, non-traditional, or over-the-top silly. Uh, I think uh, he did a lot of great stuff with uh, one of my favorite TV characters, Stevie from Eastbound and Down, uh, hmm. to bring to push him against uh, the him and Kenny are both like clowns in a real world. It's amazing. Uh, Carmi Corinne is in Manglehorn. I think is another great performance that he got out of someone. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, all the real girls, uh, Danny McBride bust ass, so good. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, I could go on and say every go, single every, one of his movies that has amazing performances that are just like so like uh, his ability to have humor and not distract from the premise is what makes him a great director and kind of what makes him a ideal Halloween person remake to remake Halloween. It's always he remaking, but yeah, yeah, he's remaking Halloween. He remade Halloween. He's uh, they're doing three there. They oh, I have never seen any. Oh, I solid. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, well, and one comes out this year, and then Halloween ends in two to next year. What I would like to say, and I am somebody who loves David Gordon Green, right? Um, like I was saying, I love George Washington. I like, um, 
I always do think of him the way you're talking about him, about like a, a director who makes these like amazing, very interesting independent films. Um, but it's like at the same time, you have to acknowledge that like he is the he does so much high profile TV comedy directing, like very like, you know, all the Danny McBride shows, right? Like he directs like every single episode of like every single Danny well, McBride show. And, uh, uh, he actually executive produces them, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, Jody Hill. Right. But I mean, he directs a lot of them. Um, so like, yeah, it's just very interesting to me, like, because obviously I uh, love I, that stuff. I love those Danny McBride shows. Right. I think they're fantastic. But it's it's uh, at the very first couple times I saw like directed by David Gordon Green, I was like, oh, it would be like if it said like directed by Martin Scorsese or something. I was like, oh, it's some kind of crazy David Gordon Green well, is doing after this he did. I know. Pineapple Express. I know. I know. I know. He makes he makes these turns. I mean, I think his weirdest uh, stuff he has directed is recently uh, Mythic Quest. He did a couple episodes. Of, yeah. Uh, that show. Well, this Mythic is what Quest, I'm saying. I, uh, I think it's very, very like, by numbers. Not like I, I couldn't even tell he directed. Them, yeah. Uh, a little bit sad, but I don't know. He does like I, 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 some of his TV work's amazing. I, some of his TV work is it's amazing. I'm uh, not, Red I'm Oaks, not, uh, not which isn't a he directs Red game, Oaks too. But see, this is what I'm saying. These are just like money jobs. Like he's doing like Red Oaks and he's doing. No, I don't. No, not. Oh, that's what I'm saying. It's not at all. Uh, but <laughs> Red Oaks, the, the 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 directors on Red Oaks are amazing. They get like Hal Hartley to do those things, and it's all about all right. uh, film references. They reference Eric Romer on Red Oaks. Eric, Red Oaks is such an underrated show. I had tried. I I tried to watch Red Oaks because John I, John Hodgman was in it, and it was during a phase where I was very into John Hodgman, and I watched like two or three episodes, and I could not continue watching Red Oaks. Uh, the best actor in the world, Richard Kind, is amazing in Red Oaks. Everyone go watch yeah, Red Oaks for Richard. Paul Kind. Paul Reiser, only. obviously, uh, is the star Amy. of it. You know. No, I would say uh, uh, the young good actor uh, uh, Craig Roberts is a very, very good uh, 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 actor. I wish he would get more work. Oh, but yeah, David Gordon Green, Hal Hartley. Uh, but he is like uh, a very successful. Really cool. Amy Heckerling directed episodes. I mean, this is all cool. Uh, Greg Araki did it too. Yeah, this is all cool. Okay, fine. Maybe I'm wrong about Red Oaks. I did literally watch three episodes of it, and I hated it. But maybe I should have watched more. Um, yeah, I like that show a lot. But like. I just think it's very interesting that David Gordon Green has been able to maintain a career where he is doing like, you know, he is just like a TV director, like a successful TV director that directs like lots of episodes of TV. And they're pretty good TV things that are like complicated, right? Like, I mean, directing one of these um, Danny McBride shows is like, it's like a little movie every single time. They're like an hour yeah, long. Movies, yeah. They have like they have effects and like you know stunt people and you know they have complicated shots and it's like a very big big thing you know um and then he's still making movies you know yeah but it's it's just been interesting for me he's to get used movies. to this he's still idea making, uh like weird swings of movies too uh like uh uh, uh like um, um his star vehicle phrase phase uh, our brand is crisis and stronger which were two big oscar swings uh, Sandra Bullock won an Oscar, and then she was still trying to do some good work. So it's like, yeah, let me go for David Gordon Green and do uh, uh, a, a movie about uh, political campaign strategies in yeah. Bolivia. Uh, and that movie is interesting and great and weird at the same time. And Stronger, I thought, was uh, one of his most underrated movies because it did get like a big push, which probably sunk it because it really was just like a weird David Gordon Green movie in, it, in, in its core, but it's about the uh, the guy who lost his legs at the Boston Marathon, oh, Jake right. Gyllenhaal. It's like a, it's a, kind of a sappy story, but done by David Gordon Green. It's kind of kind of awesome. But I don't know. He's always going to get passes because George Washington is one of the great movies. His first two movies, George Washington, All the Road Girls. 
uh, I'm a huge fan of Undertow and Snow Angels too, because like that's his early period. Uh, like, uh, yeah, he was like one of those first directors. Like those first four movies are like I studied. <laughs> I learned about how I, I uh, my thoughts on film from watch, listening to DVD commentary him talking about those movies. Wow, like what kind of stuff? Like like. What do you mean stuff? <laughs> well, you said you learned like, uh, about film. Like what? Like what? Give me like one thing you feel like you learned from listening to those DVD commentaries. Oh, that. Uh, oh, that's a. Uh, well, I don't know. Like uh, even just uh, like how how to get because he shoots a lot in daylight. How to uh, uh, plan for day shots is kind of interesting. Or how to like difficult they are and how to like wait for that and how to be patient for those. Or uh, uh, you know, it's like how he works with. Uh, incorporating uh his humor to things and how he wants to do it subtly it's, I don't know, it's all very interesting well uh, that stuff. It, that is i mean it's talking about the humor of the movie like in all honesty a lot of the movie is taken up with the employees of the tree poisoning business like there's oh, some sure. great scenes of nick cage and then just the employees and then nick cage and ty sheridan and ty sheridan and them where it's like it's a big chunk of the movie is just them like talking about hidden trees and like making jokes with each other and like, and they're, they're all, I mean, I would assume all many of them are non-professional actors mm-hmm. and it seemed, it's really, really interesting to watch. And David Gordon Green does it in this way. That's, you know, it's not exploitive. Do you know what I mean? You don't feel like you're somehow oh, laughing fun, at yeah. these people. You feel like he you, lets them like have lines and tell stories. And yeah, you feel like yeah. you're in their world, <laughs> you're in their world and in their world, they are like, they know exactly what they're doing. And like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to be a tree poisoner and yeah. they seem like experts in that. Yeah. They teach the one kid to do it, and they also teach his old man who sucks at it, which yeah. is kind of, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, a very, uh, not a, it's not super plot heavy, but it does plot is very important to the movie. Like it's just dressed up a lot to, and dragged out kind yeah. of in a slow manner. But by the uh, end, but, but by uh, the third uh, act, it has a plot. But yeah. if the first two acts kind of only barely have a plot, but then the third act, there yeah. is like all of a sudden like it a very all big plot. C- come together, yeah. Uh, like I said, it did have two big villains in it, and it does come to a head. Uh, yeah, uh, some like very disturbing stuff right up in there. Like we said, there's funny stuff. There's, yeah, like uh, there's the one big scene with uh, Wade, uh, the, the actor who passed away, the dad. Uh, he's just an alcoholic wants to drink the whole time and it's bordering pathetic and like like we're like this guy's fucking sucks and then it has a turn we're just like oh that's his fucking dark where he just yeah right yeah i don't even want to spoil it just uh the it's uh, it plays it like how i said there's a quiet moments smaller moments in the film like him skinning a deer like just on par with that very subtly something like shows you a true evil <laughs> startling stuff <laughs> startling stuff from coming from you caleb that does that is pretty meaningful um, the way it's filmed yeah yeah it's so good this is like a maybe a dumb observation and maybe we can cut this out but um I, there's something about this movie and pig and even mandy there's this kind of character that nicholas cage plays in all of these movies and even though they all get into these different situations mm-hmm. they, they all kind of are coming from this place of like having rejected society and like living in the woods and you know 
uh, living this kind of very like off the grid lifestyle. And I think that's very yeah. interesting. Number one, that this is this character, Nicholas Cage is playing over and over again. And number two, like there's something like almost like post-apocalyptic about it. <laughs> like in all of these, it's like, he's like living off the land in all of these movies in pig. He seems to be living in some kind of like broken down shed with like plants growing through the walls or something. You know, he's very like, you know, he lives in a world that is not our world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a very great observation. Yeah, just a man uh, who built up his skills and is depending on them to to live or just to to get by. Uh, yeah, just very man of the world. Uh, yeah, uh, like of his of own, the of earth, his own world, you know, yeah. like connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Meant, yeah. And it's, uh, I guess it's a good. Go ahead, go ahead. No, it's just interesting, like to think about that that guy and to, that that that's like a kind of an archetype in our in our collective unconscious right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's just and this kind of uh, sense that like you that maybe like society is not going to last, you know? And I think a lot of people have this idea that like they need to learn, you know, like you, you know, you ever think like, Oh, I like, what if I was alone in the woods? I wouldn't know how to do anything. You know what I mean? And so people want to learn how to do all that stuff. Uh, It's a good great way to like, think of like Nicholas cage. Uh, Maybe go back to more of his late period stuff. Cause I mean, we covered adaptation on this show, which is not like that. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I'm a big fan of Leaving Las Vegas, which kind of reminded his performance in Pig kind of reminded me of, which is, you know, sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, I don't know, he, he does, that is very interesting. And I, uh, that removed from society probably is a, probably a deep affectation of his own mental state too, a little bit. <laughs> like he is such, uh, okay, I said like when we were doing our pre-show discussion, like he's uh, in another realm and we're just getting to witness him act. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting. And I mean, what a crazy thing to have happening, you know? Um, yeah, the, 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 the life of Nicolas Cage. Of the crazy life thing. of Nicolas Cage. I mean, it's very, very weird. It's very, very weird. And not everything that he does is awful. Like, sometimes he does something good. Well, we were I, we were saying before the show, too, that it's interesting. This is this pig, pig, well, not Joe, but pig, uh, was somebody's first movie. Their first feature-length movie was pig. Like, that's amazing that he's yeah, Michael Sarnowski. He's yeah, doing crazy. stuff like that uh, for people like that. That movie probably wouldn't have gotten made if Nicolas Cage didn't get involved for mm-hmm. some reason. So like what a thing that he's done for this, for that guy and for, you know, just to take a chance on someone like that. I mean, I'm sure he did just did it for the money for whatever reason, but um, it's, it's still really interesting. And, and I thought this yeah, movie, yeah. I thought that Joe was like, um, not to talk about John Wick all the time, but it, I was interested to see that it came out before, obviously it was in development before John Wick. It's like predates John Wick because it does kind of have that, that flavor of uh, like an old guy who's going on some kind of rampage or something, which has become such a trope right, right now. Sure, sure. Less actually and more uh, in the dramatic sense of him going after, which is, you know, another sadness. Yeah. There's like, yeah. An overarching sadness to this Nicholas Cage thing, which is true. And just, knowing who he is and looking at his direct to DVD video roles. Yeah. <laughs> there is a inherent sadness there. <laughs> yeah. So should we move on, Caleb? Do you want to do the end? Yeah, let's uh, pick it. Yeah. Uh, I did say, Oh, go ahead. Go oh ahead. no, go ahead. I was just going to do the thing. I was going to, yeah. Yeah. Do the well, thing. yeah. I was going to say, uh, I was going to say, Caleb, like, let's say you had to pick one of these movies uh, as your actually best choice or, you know, you had to watch someone you love be brutally murdered, let's say. Oof, would definitely pick one of these movies then. Um, <laughs> which is, I don't know, I did settle on it pretty easy, but 
like I did say at the beginning that these are two of the best along along with Mandy. Those are the three best late period Nick Cage movies. And I would say Mandy's number two on my list. So uh, the one of them is going to be three. One of them is going to be one. And number one for me is, uh, I got to say, it's Pig. I think it's ushering a new flavor. It's, uh, I don't know, put a little cherry on top of the last couple of years of Nicolas Cage for me too. It's also just like so much, so philosophical. And I love movies that just like, doesn't even care about itself to an extent its own plots and just wants to like say nice things about the world. It has a very lovely ending, which caught me off guard. Uh, another little MacGuffin they do. I mean, I love Joe and I can talk about, again, talk about, talk, come, come to me, talk about David Goran Green, uh, amazing movie. Um, but yeah, those three movies are like any actor would be thrilled to have those on their career. And this is just like his late period, <laughs> a period that I think we could maybe be uh, moving from. And now he can, a new, a new late period. I mean, this is all Sorry makes a lot of sense and it's very persuasive if I'm being honest because I was all set to say that I liked uh, Joe better just based on like purely as a, as a you know, movie watching experience. That's a fast film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great, yeah. Yeah, having not seen either one of them, it was really enjoyable and it took some turns I didn't exactly expect uh, and it was very interesting. I mean, it reminded me a lot of other movies that I that I like and it but it was its own thing with its own point of view. And I, I really like that a lot, but I mean, look, if, if pig, it really does kick off some kind of new era of this kind of like old, old man, Nicholas cage, like that would rule. And obviously it would be a very important artifact in that case. You know, <laughs> I do like it. I just think it doesn't quite come together for me, pig. Like I like it, but it just, it takes, it takes like too many turns for me. And then I just kind of it does bite off a lot, yeah. I just get around to thinking like, oh, so this is basically just somebody's movie they wanted to make about working in restaurants, but they've kind of like reverse engineered all this other stuff onto it to make it into something else, you know? Um, yeah, and then they landed on something bigger than they could probably even <laughs> think of going. Yeah, so I don't fucking know, man. They're both really good. Um, I will <laughs> yeah, say maybe good. I enjoyed I watching. I wa- enjoyed watching Joe more, maybe. But uh, Pig was also great. It was very interesting to to watch, and it was definitely keeps you off guard from one moment to the next. <laughs> I know you like them both the, more than Mandy. I did. Well, Mandy was just very hard for me to watch, Caleb. I'm, yeah. I've told many times on this show that I am a good boy, and I don't like bad boy stuff. And there's so much bad boy stuff in Mandy. There's like, a lot, oh there's, there's a lot of bad boy stuff. And Nicolas Cage in general, there's a lot of bad boy stuff. But it is great. Like, I mean, it's a completely unhinged thing, and it's so yeah. cool that he did that. You know, it's, it's so yeah. cool. Welcome back, Nicolas Cage, to uh, the... I mean, a very popular podcast, actually, Best Twist Movies. Yes, welcome back. Movie podcast, talking about you. Um, <laughs> well, that's it, man. I think we got it for this week, you know? We got, we, we got it, dude. <laughs> um, all right, thank you. Good night. Bye, everybody. Bye. Ready for this? You, you got you need anything? You got a fart really loud or anything? <laughs>